It's Lewis. Hi, Lewis. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? Not bad. Not bad. I, pro- I just wanted to make sure you saw everything that I had sent you as attachments. I have, sir. I've seen. I've seen it all. Um, I saw the YouTube clips. Um, I saw everything. Amazing, isn't it? Me. Oh my God! I mean, this is why we're here, actually. And before we get, before I keep, uh, we keep going. I want to ask you: um, Can I use <clears throat> your real name? Yes, you can. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure because I could always edit it and post. But um, <laughs> this will be kind of funny. Um, we actually changed your name on the on the show because I talked about um, <laughs> I talked about what I do um, outside of the podcast on the podcast before, as far as uh, driving for Lyft and the interesting right. people that I've met. Um, so, you know, your story in particular was so interesting that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to share it. So at that point, I didn't. Not know. only interesting, I, I mean, you're talking about statistics that cannot even be measured. Right. Just the fact of catching the NSA. What did you think of that NSA metadata uh, that shows my number in military formatting? My jaw hit the floor when, when you showed me that picture. Uh, but I, I want to give you the floor. But before I do that, I want to introduce you to, to my friend and co-host, uh, Greg. Mike, how you doing? Okay, Greg. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, meet you by voice, <laughs> having met uh, Lewis personally. Yeah, have, but have, I hope to meet you both. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, have you got a chance to check out the show at all? No, I have not. Uh, if you could tell me, you know, just simply how to find it, I will you know, dial you guys up every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we have Gmail, SoundCloud, like basically every, every social media platform, you know, you, you can find us. We'll, we'll give you all the contact information and, uh, but like Lewis I'd said, appreciate it. I, yeah, yeah. I, can, I'll think, I can text that to you. We uh, definitely want to give you the floor. Um, but yeah, he just wanted to do you go out live or do you no, uh, no, 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 absolutely not. We, we, that's why he said, you know, we, we weren't sure if you wanted to use your real name because in, in post edit, we can always take that out and, you know, put in like a fake name or something like that. Or we usually you know, take just, a couple of days, just to edit, edit out your name yeah. completely. If it's I mentioned. intend to use the real names of the people involved. Absolutely. I have no fear of defamation because I sent you, I showed you my ex-wife. Uh, you know, literally pilfered uh, everything from me. Wow. And you see in that new recording, and you see that she sent it to her law office. Um, the only file that was too big was because I only took a photo of it, not a scan and not a PDF, right. um, because at that time my hard drive was hidden. So, Mike, uh, yeah. And I, it's still hidden. And 
like Lewis said, we want to give you the floor. We want to give you a chance to, you know, give us the whole story. I, I didn't have a chance to go through the email. I just saw it, you know, amidst trying to get yeah, all so the I sound kinda, check and everything ready for you. But um, I want I want you to really uh, start from the beginning and everything you told me. So, uh, well, when you talk about, about the NSA, yeah. they're equivalent the to, the, to the GRU in Russia. Now, you know, the FBI is domestic. Right. CIA does all the nasty stuff they do, right. but no one really knows about the NSA right. uh, other than what Snowden told them. Right. What the NSA is, their employers are the military-industrial complex and the generals at the Pentagon. Right. The president doesn't speak to them. Nobody in, in you know national security, you know, they're the hitmen. They they are told what to do. And those directions don't come from uh, from the executive uh, branch. You know, it comes from people who profit. If, if there's anything where there's profit in getting rid of uh, alternative energy, um, people who are peacemakers, people who uh, don't follow the Wall Street model, they've killed off uh, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. They finally killed Castro. They're responsible for so many assassinations around the world. That's what they do. So they They're pretty immoral. much they run with free reign, you know, as you said, above, free reign. above, above the president, above the executive yeah, Just to give order. you an idea of just how dirty everything about world trade was, when I sent you that, the BBC was announcing, I mean, no one can hide this, but people seem to not be able to carry over from day to day. Um, the truth of one day into the next day. It's as if they have self-erasing tapes, and that's because they've been molded by mass media that way. Wow. With mass media, they're able to be, you know, it's mind control. And, I mean, when you see Building 7 go down, that's an absolute, you saw the architect who, you know, uh, knows everything about demolition, and it went straight down into its footprint, as they say. It didn't topple. It didn't go right or left by even an inch. The same with World Trade. The reason they found nothing larger than a half of a file cabinet in the entire wreckage of World Trade is because they used thermite. They pulverized the building. Wow. As it was coming down, right. it was already coming down as pulverized dust. So, what, what And that's the, why... What so, the sorry, hell did you just say? One of the things that we're really interested in is how this ties into you personally. Because you told me a very personal story. Well, it's ruined story. my life. Yeah, it's you, absolutely right. you, you ruined told, my you life. You told me a very personal story, and I'm, you know, that's what I want to get to because, I mean, this is so real. Can you can you start from the beginning and tell me how like how all of this the NSA and all this is gonna this is how it how it affects you like what happened to you? Well, the way I was going to do it was to kind of put it in the chronologic order and focus it on you know bookending right. two events that happened in New York at which the odds are calculable, right. which is that I worked in the Woolworth Building directly across the street from the World Trade Center. I do want to make allusion to building number seven as sort of the smoking gun, which, you know, shows you what happened. There's a woman, um, Lindauer, Susan Lindauer. She was the first person um, that was arrested under the Patriot Act, and she was a CIA asset. They told her in April uh, of uh, 2001, her, her boss at CIA told her, 
because she was a back channel to Saddam Hussein. Wow. And he was so willing to let the Americans in to show them he had no nuclear program. He wasn't looking for trouble. Hmm. He didn't. He was willing to give them anything the Americans wanted. But they insisted that they knew that planes would go into world trade, and they put on him the onus of, you have to go and get us the intelligence. Who's going to do it? And, of course, he could never come up with that, and that was the excuse they used to start the war in Iraq. And one more thing. The day before 9-11, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's Mm -hmm. all over the Internet. Uh, You can find it. It's provable fact. The uh, Rumsfeld had made an announcement one day before. Hello? It hung up. Really? Yeah. Every day, man, it's like these motherfuckers is just like professional liars, you know what I'm saying? It's wow. Listen. Bin Laden didn't blow up projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Push knock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Push knock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Bin Laden didn't blow up projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Push knock down the tower. Hello, Mike. Luis? Yes. Yeah, welcome to the NSA. Yeah. That's the NSA doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm serious. Not, I, that's, I, a, that's the NSA. They, we're onto something. So you, so they actually have, you know, located the I'm conversation somehow and, in, in, you know, something triggered well, that Mike, the, you the hang know, up. You know how they did it, right? They, are, can't you prove? You said you can prove. Oh, I can, but there is an attorney that's willing to take the case. I even looked up every attorney that sued the NSA. I went to the ACLU, and they're nothing more than the oracle in the matrix, a control mechanism (laughs) to make people think that they do have civil liberties. Because, you know, they'll do these, you know, little things here and there. I had the biggest story that they could ever have. I made the analogy to someone. Imagine there's a 150-story residential building on fire with all these people inside. Uh And then right down the block, there's a doghouse on fire Mm -hmm. with no dog in it. It's safely outside of it. And they bypass the 150-story building to put out the fire in the doghouse. They actually sent me a letter that said, we only handle cases involving civil liberties. Well, then, then the last that, time that I makes, checked, then that makes. I'm sorry, Mike. Well, that makes Lewis and Greg podcast. Then you know the fi- real firemen who are coming here to, to try to put out this fire. This you are the first people in answer to prayer. I didn't tell you one thing, Louise. No, sir. One thing I didn't get to tell you. you like, how am I holding it together with the level of pressure that is on me? They've used uh, finances against me. They've stolen money, made up judgments, Um, you know, done all kinds of things. But one thing happened that my ex-wife in New York was a witness to. Hmm. If I didn't have a witness, I was born Jewish. And what I didn't get to tell you, and I could certainly send you the photo, but, you know, uh, after World Trade, the guy that I was working for went bankrupt. And with the glut of attorneys that were looking for a job in lower Manhattan, you know, it took me, it was two months later and I was down to like $200. And then at 5.15 on a Monday in September, I get a call. This is September 2003. 
Uh, I had stuck it out all that time. Wow. I get a call, and uh, it's a law firm, the best that I could hope for in the city. Mm-hmm. And they told me at 515, I lived in Forest Hill, so you, being a, a city guy, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I would have to go down Queens Boulevard to the Midtown Tunnel into Midtown, and I would need every bit of that 45 minutes. Right, exactly. I knew that all my suits were at the dry cleaners, every single one of them. <laughs> I mean, I know. It had been two months of interviews, and they, I couldn't get them out because the Asians, and not to you know cast aspersions, but... No, by all means, know, they we... Are, we- we cast dispersions all the time on this show. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they, they just care about the money, the coin. And my wife, I had bought her several fur coats, and her winter storage is always brought up in September, and I only needed to get one suit out of there. And they closed at 6, so I, I called them immediately and said, I need one of my suits. They go, no, you owe 1700 You paid that, you, you can have a suit. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm going to have a job. They assured me of it, and they just wanted to meet me and right. take me out to dinner, and I need my best New York suit that you're holding. Suit. Are you kidding me? That was a pretty good impression of the, the dry cleaner, too. The, the Asian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to... Like bla- it was like a black Asian guy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the bottom line is they, they tell me that they're not going to do it, Right. And my wife and I go to my closet. She takes half of the closet and hanger by hanger pushes everything to the left. I go hanger by hanger and push everything to the right. And when we were done, you know, there was no suit, which I already knew before I went in there. We left the two foot gap in the middle. I was born Jewish. I went through bar mitzvah right. as much as I was a scholastic champion of the world, right. you know, throughout all schooling, I was the, like the bad kid in Hebrew school. <laughs> so they, they, they bad Jew. me, they were yeah, a bad Jew boy. <laughs> he never liked Jewish girls and was looking for a blonde. Oh, <laughs> is that what you did? So anyway, Uh-oh. it was unbelievable when my family moved to Upper Dublin, right. and I get there, and I said, my one friend, so, unbelievably, moved at the same time, and I said, his name was Howard Fulmer, I called him Howie. I said, Howie, <laughs> I've never seen so much blonde hair and blue eyes in all my life. Oh, my God. Because I lived in Mount Airy, which was like a Jewish ghetto. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I'm married to a Polish girl. She's nice. 100% Polish. Right. Um, she spoke perfect English, perfect oh. Spanish, oh. Um, perfect Excuse Polish. Me. English, Polish, Spanish. Man. I met her because, you, are a handsome you know. Dude. You know what? You are handsome. I can attest to this. You are a handsome guy. So you can pull, you know, a Polish girl oh, yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. That's a nice compliment, Melissa. <laughs> he doesn't give me compliments <laughs> like that. Well, you know, you're horrible looking. Well, I hope uh, anyway, I hope your wife thinks so. <laughs> Sorry, I've been married four times. Wow, uh, I don't intend to make a fifth mistake. No. <laughs> Listen, so the bottom line is that um, you know we go through the closet. There's this two foot gap in the middle, and she starts to cry, and I calm her down. I said, "Look, you know everything's going to be all right." 
I was dazed. I mean, it was like somebody hit me with a sledgehammer. Here was my chance slipping through my fingers. And I don't know what made me do it. But for whatever reason, I prayed to Jesus for the first time in my life. Now, I will admit, I met her at the, uh, like, November 2000, and we got married January 2001 while she was sitting as a juror in a case. The judge of that case agreed to marry us. So we had, like, 40 people come in, and, you know, her friends, my friends, and Mm -hmm. after that case was uh, over for the day, um, I got married by the judge in which she was sitting as a juror in January 2001. Okay, and that's... Ever you... since I married her, up to that point in September 2003, mm-hmm. I had gone to church with her every Sunday. Ah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't participate. I just, yeah. you know, because I couldn't. Um, well, I couldn't do communion. I couldn't do anything. You can't have the body and of I didn't Christ. Feel, and I didn't it's feel any kind of, you know... Uh, you know, coercive reason or any kind of reason at that point to to convert. Right. So anyway, he didn't. I don't know what yet. made me do it. Yeah, I don't know what made me do it, but I just prayed to Jesus. And and there's things about me that I that mean, like each other. I mean, I've helped everyone in my life. Right. There isn't anyone. I haven't helped. The street people knew me by name. You were very and nice when I would me. be walking with another attorney, and the street people would say, Michael, Michael, like they would look at me with, like, you know, shock. Yeah. Like, how did these people know your name? I've seen that I look. said, because when you're look. not around, I said, when you're not around, you know, I'm stopping after working till eight or nine at night, and they're sitting on a grate in the wintertime, mm-hmm. and I always take care of them. And if I have food when I'm coming out of a restaurant, I always cycle it amongst like the seven or eight that I knew really well. Right. And I, I, that's just, so I'm praying to Jesus and I go, you know who I am. You know my heart. You know that uh, I'm as good a guy as they come. I really need this for my family. I've got a six month old daughter. My family is going to collapse. So I ended the prayer. I see my wife come out of the baby's room where she had put laundry away in that two minutes while I was praying. And she goes into the master bedroom, our bedroom in the apartment. And then I hear her scream. What? And because there was an accident with my first child and my first wife, where she was cleaning the bathroom and didn't realize that the baby toddled up behind her and knocked the baby down and he stopped breathing. Oh boy. Um, uh, you know, but she was a nurse. But who who was she? In one anecdotal sentence or, or word, two words, uh, it describes her entirely: Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> nurse Ratchet. Yeah. There are times when an economy of words, but an allusion to a movie, will give you everything you need to know. Well, that's pretty and, pretty menacing. <laughs> Oh, she was. My life, you know, came apart there. That's why I went to New York. Yeah. Um, well, I'll leave that part out. Yeah, yeah. But the bottom line is, I run into the bedroom thinking that she knocked the baby over. That's always my first thought. Yeah. And she is like white as a ghost. You know, she was pale to begin with, like almost white blonde hair, blue eyes. You devil, you. And, and she's pointing at the closet, and I look. In the middle of that two-foot gap was a suit. 
I kid you not. Wait, it gets better. You ready for this one? Yes, sir. As I'm putting it on, I said, what are the odds that it'll even fit me? She goes, what were you just doing? I said, you're not going to believe this, but I prayed for a suit. She goes, Michael, this is a miracle. Yeah. You just experienced a miracle. Yep. And, you know, as I learned in the Catholic Church, anything which defies the laws of nature is considered a miracle. Right. So as I'm putting things into my pocket. First, it fits me like a glove, like one of my custom suits. As I put my hand in the back pocket, I feel something that feels like a dime, very thin, and a, but a little bit wider. And I pull it out, and it's not like something die-stamped, because it had like a Florentine edge. Right. Like, picture a fleur-de-lis, like okay. a loop, little loops around the edges of it. Right. But on it, in bright, bright gold color, uh, but I knew it wasn't gold, the right. metal gold. Of course you knew it was was, gold. was a guardian angel with its wings outspread, uh, light over its head, a halo, right. and standing inside a cross. Wow. As if, when I watch the movie, see, I'm, the, the hair on my arms are standing up again. Ooh. I can never tell this story without that effect. I mean, the bottom line is, when a suit appears after you pray for it, and then like in, in It's a Wonderful Life, Clarence left the inscription in Tom Sawyer, you know, no man is a failure who has friends. And, and I'm thinking, you know, what calling card? An angel wouldn't leave a card, you know, angel first class. It looks like they do. But they leave but something. when they left... When they left that coin mm -hmm. of a guardian angel, then I knew, you know, it left no doubt in my mind. It was so, and I converted, I called the, the uh, priest from the church at uh, 121, she lived at 111th between Broadway and Amsterdam. Shout out to 111 in Broadway and Amsterdam, 109 in uh, Amsterdam. Sorry, it's part of the show, Mike, I don't mean to do it. But it's, uh, that's where I grew up. I grew up on 108th in Amsterdam. And how crazy You're is it? You're three blocks away from there. How crazy is it that you would run into me all the way out in Pennsylvania to tell this story. It's Look almost at that like, And you know how long I've been trying to get this story out? Do you know that they have stopped me at every turn? You saw that 31-minute FCC call? Yes, sir. How would you like it if after 15 minutes the person stopped talking when you told them about the metadata you have of the NSA, and this is all you hear? You hear them breathing. Wow. They didn't hang up. I know that they're making connections all over the place, that she's, you know, alerting people, supervisors are coming on, you know, you, they're tracing you right now, and Mike. tracking. I'll tell you right now, Mike, they will not stop us from getting this story out. The Lewis and Greg podcast will make sure that every this will be out. They can't stop us. This is freedom of speech. They cannot stop us. And that's definitely why well, they stopped we, me why from we were getting interested. Into court. They scared every attorney away, and that's why I sent you that me. one example. Did you see that one uh, text message from the lawyer who was supposed to see me? He goes, oh, I have to go into court, I found out. Wow. And then when I say, well, just tell me another time then. How about tomorrow? And he never answered. <laughs> I told you how many lawyers. If there's over 300 lawyers I've called, every one of them who said they would take it, 
and then never called me back. Oh, wow. How so many, if they did, how many? he said something came up. <laughs> oh, boy. Somewhere. I'm writing the book. That's what that's what we really want to get to, like a uh, you know kind of a, a story format where we can kind of piece this all together. So what? I mean, I've heard pieces of you know nine uh, eleven and the um, you know the connection there as far as you know your your wife. By the way, time. it was all federal. They were all federal in in that building. It was the CIA, uh, as you saw, like I told you, right. CIA. Um, uh, FBI, uh, the SEC, there was not a single person hurt or scratched. Right. But the funniest part is the BBC talking about it having collapsed and the DRO saying, then what's this? Yeah, it's like, it was like seven minutes, like seven minutes beforehand or something like that, right? No, 20. 20 minutes, wow. And the feed went dead when it was about to fall. Wow. And then you see how it went down in that other uh, uh, YouTube, which is absolutely an implosion, an absolute planned implosion. So how is this affecting your day-to-day now? Are you... Because, I mean, I'm just, I mean like we, we saw just... in a room in a boarding home with only getting $763 a month. Wow. When they stole 158000 by a fake garnishment that doesn't exist. Okay. So you're are you on disability, if you don't mind me asking? Yes. Okay. I've been on disability since December first, two thousand twelve. Okay. Okay. Well I mean that's My life has been miserable. <laughs> Absolutely miserable.